Please be seated. Here now, a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, the third chapter. I'm going to read from verses 21 through 26, and let's listen to God's Word to us this evening. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. It is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. He did this to show His righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over the sins previously committed. It was so to prove at the present time that He Himself is righteous, and that He justifies the one who has faith. In Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Follow your dreams. Listen to your heart. Work hard and you will succeed. Do If you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Anything. Just be true to yourself and the rest will follow. We hear sayings like this all the time. Coaches say them to players. Teachers say them to students to try to build self-esteem. Bosses say it to their employees to try to get the most productivity out of them. We use these sayings as encouragement to try to pull out the best in each other and the best in people, if not to pull towards people a little, a little towards their better versions of themselves. Sometimes using a phrase like this works. It can motivate you. You can motivate yourself. You can motivate others. But sometimes they don't work. Which leads to a question, are they actually true? Do they speak truth? Not every dream comes true. Your heart can actually lead you to some pretty troubling places. It is perfectly possible to work hard as hard as you can and still fall flat on your face. And it doesn't matter how much I put my mind to it, I'm not making the PGA Tour this year. (laughs) Or the next. Or ever. And even at my truest self, my truest, truest self, I still hurt people. I still let people down. I could still be selfish, and the harm I do matters. When I was in college, uh, I, like a lot of people, took a class 
called anthropology. Uh, it was a general elective for social sciences, one of three I could have picked. I had no idea what I was picking. I remember that what we studied was different human cultures, the, how they evolve, what makes human beings unique. I remember there being a section on uh, the mating and marriage practices of the Inuit people. That's about all I remember from the class. That and uh, I made a C+. Plus. Class aside, um, what anthropology is, is the understanding of human beings and of human behavior. Today, we're starting the season of Lent. Lent is a 40-day season that leads up to the crucifixion of Christ on Good Friday, where we think and ponder the crucifixion of the Son of God. What does it say about us human beings and about our behavior that when God was made flesh and dwelled among us and showed us nothing but unending love, we made Him suffer. We rejected Him. We hung Him on a cross and left Him to die. What does that say about the way we should understand human beings and our behavior? What does that say about our anthropology? Uh, if you haven't heard by now, and I, I'm sure you have, you know, most people try to give something up for Lent. Here at First Presbyterian this year, we're asking you to take something on for Lent. We're asking you to consider reading a book. We're challenging the whole church to read this book. It's called Low Anthropology. And it's by David Zoll. He's an author out of Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, in the coming weeks, uh, we are going to be uh, teaching a Sunday school class on this book. We're going to be holding men's and women's circles, discussions on this book. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for you to engage with this book. If you need a copy, you can, you can get one on the way out or get one in the office on the way out. They cost $20 a piece. Uh, Pastor Elizabeth and I, we actually just finished recording an interview with the author today, just, just moments ago, and we're going to release that for everybody to be able to, to watch and hear that conversation with the author about the book. Um, so we're real excited about, about that as well. The central idea of, of the book, Low Anthropology, is that while it might seem fun, it might seem encouraging, it might seem like a happy thing to define ourselves according to our excellence, the things we're good at, our victories, our triumphs, our accomplishments, our successes, our strengths, what David Zoll argues is that we'd actually do well to lower Lower our view of human beings. Lower our expectations of ourselves and of other people. Because maybe if we were a little bit more honest about our limitations as humans, our tendency to act in a destructive ways, even when we know better, our default self-centeredness, our suffering, our weaknesses... If we could be honest about that stuff, then maybe we could start to find ways that we could be a little more gracious, forgiving, kind, and loving towards other people, and also towards ourselves. Now you might be a little bit skeptical to hear that thesis. I know I was at first. It sounds cynical, terribly cynical. 
To say we should consider people at, our, at their worst, consider us at our worst, rather than at our best. But what I want to suggest is that if you dig into this idea, if you dig in with us to this idea over the next 40 days, you might just find that not only is thinking about yourself and others in this way more honest, it's also freeing. And it actually turns out to be good news for anyone who needs it. Ash Wednesday is a strange holiday. You, you, you come here to church and we tell you you're going to die. That doesn't seem like a reason for celebration. You, you come up here and we tell you from dust you came and to dust you will return. And then we Draw a cross on your forehead using ashes that have been burned of the palm branches that we used at last year's Palm Sunday. And then you go out into the world with these ashes on your forehead in the shape of a cross. Those ashes are a reminder of your death, of your limitations. People have actually been coming to the church all day. There have been people, three or four, who've called up to the church and said, hey, I can't come tonight. Can I come by and receive an imposition of ashes? So three or four times already I've drawn the cross on someone's forehead and said, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. Maybe as you were out and about today, you might have seen somebody who had a cross on their forehead, being that it is Ash Wednesday. Some churches do services a lot earlier in the day. Other churches offer ashes all day long, which is what makes Ash Wednesday so strange. And it's always made me a bit weary of it, right? You, you can go out in the world today on Ash Wednesday. You can turn on the news today, and you'll see a newscaster who has ashes on her forehead. You, you'll see people walking around who have ashes on their forehead. And when I think about this, I think, is that, really, is that really how we want to present the church? Is that really how we want to represent who we are as Christians out into the world? By, by starting, by leading with the fact that we're all going to die? That doesn't sound very in, in, encouraging. That's not uplifting. To tell people that we're all on, the, on a path to destruction. That we're all suffering from the destruction of this world. That we're always doing damage to ourselves and to other people and that no matter how hard we try or stop do we cannot possibly stop doing the damage to ourselves and to other people. And the damage is ultimately going to get the best of us. Of all of us. Whether we like it or not. Whether we're ready for it or not. It's just so depressing to lead with that. If we're going to send people out in the world with such a visible mark of our faith a sign of our faith printed on their forehead shouldn't it be something just more happy more uplifting more lighthearted encouraging positive optimistic doesn't that sound so much better maybe but then i think about the suffering that exists in our world. Now think about the suffering that exists right here in this room. Now think about the suffering in my own life. 
and my lowest points. And think about your lowest points. And in those lowest points, there, there's, there's little that can be done to take pain and suffering and grief away. But if there is one possible bomb that can soothe it, it would be somebody else coming to sit next to you and tell you, show you, that they suffer too. So like to the addict who just relapsed for the 10th time. What if somebody could go to them and say, you know what? I'm not unlike you. I've relapsed too. Maybe not on drugs. But certainly from my own bad habits and destructive habits. I fall back into that over and over again. Or to the stressed out parent who constantly feels like a failure. What if you could say, you know what? I'm not unlike you. Maybe not in the same way, but I too am juggling a lot and I constantly feel judged and like I'm letting people down. Or what if to the patient who just got a terminal diagnosis, you could say, you know what? I'm not unlike you. I'm dying too. Maybe not as soon. But the day is going to come for me as well. Because what we do is we go through life and we look around at other people and we constantly think, man, gosh, look at them. They sure do have it together. I hope they don't find out that I'm just an imposter. That I have no idea what I'm doing, that I'm messed up and I'm lost and confused and dumb and dishonest and I'm struggling and I'm hurting. We don't want people to find that out since they all have it together. But what if there was just one day out of the year where we could put some kind of mark on our foreheads that could signal out to the world, actually, I know what you're thinking right now and you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm just like you. I'm not unlike you. I've got all the same flaws, all the same misgivings, same kinds of misgivings and mistakes that you do, that we all do. You see, that's the thing. This is why low anthropology matters. It's not our strengths that bond us together, it's in our shortcomings. Our sufferings, our weaknesses, our mortality as human beings. The fact that we all bleed when you prick us. That you can find commonality with absolutely anyone. Anyone in this room. Anyone in this world. The one thing that binds us all together is that we are all human which means we all suffer. What does it say about us as human beings and our behavior that when God came in the flesh and showed us nothing but love, we made Him suffer and humiliated Him and hung Him on a cross and left Him there to, to die as everyone could watch? Well, if it says anything, it says that our humanity is broken. It's not what it could be. 
It's not what it should be. But we could also flip the question around and we could say, what does it say about God? That God came down in the flesh and showed us nothing but love. And in showing us nothing but love, did so to the point that He suffered. Just like you do. Just like I do. He was humiliated. Just like we fear being humiliated all the time. And then He died. He died. Just as all of us will. What does that say about God? What it says is that there's hope for us all. Yet. And that's what keeps low anthropology from being cynicism. You always have room to take an honest, lower view of human beings, whether it's of yourself or other people, when you also take a higher view, a more faithful view of God. Where we can't, God can. Where we hurt, God heals. Where we die, God lives and lives in us again forever and ever. Amen.